Hello, welcome to the Corny Turner Podcast. I am super looking forward to this conversation. It is kind of scary Frankenstein stuff, but I'm very excited to have these two wonderful people who are incredible investigative journalists, and I'm blessed to call them both dear friends. And they're actually two of very few people who are covering this topic that I think is incredibly important. To me, this is uh, very reminiscent of kind of like Operation Paperclip. And most of you know we've been covering a lot of what's going on with the Rona regime. And a lot of people around this topic keep talking about Nuremberg number two, right? Nuremberg trials. And what I think people often fail to recognize is that Nuremberg, at least from my perspective, was kind of an epic failure because that's what led to Operation Paperclip. We had these great scientists who a couple of front men took the fall, right? They were the front men and supposedly they were reprimanded and punished. And then we had Operation Paperclip where all these brilliant scientists were scuttled into to our intelligence apparatus. And a lot of that research just continued under the guise of them being rocketeers. But really, a lot of them, when you start digging in, were uh, chemists and bioweapon engineers. So uh, this seems... So Charles Lieber is what we're going to discuss today. And this topic was on my radar, certainly, uh, in 2020 because of that reason. I was very concerned about his connection. He's been known to be the nanotech king. Miriam, I think you coined that term, right? Um, so, uh, yeah, so he has been known and a lot, of course, lots of theories were flying around that and how that was relevant. Now things have unfolded over the past few years and we're starting to see more and more of those connections surface. So anyhow, that was a really long ramble, uh, but I wanted to kind of set the stage for why this is so important to me. And it's actually how I met Miriam, Miriam Hinane, and this is Ryan Christian. Uh, both of my, my audience is very familiar with both of your work and, uh, of course, we've done several shows together, so it'll be exciting to have this conversation with all three of us. How are both of you doing today? Good. Uh, pleasure to be here. I'm looking forward to talking about this. Me too, likewise. I'm, I'm a big fan of Ryan and uh, The Last American Vagabond and you, Courtney, and your diligence and uh, thoroughness. So I'm, I'm glad to be here. Thank you. Likewise, yeah. Uh, thank you. So I think maybe a great way to open this is uh, to... Uh, set the stage with why both because both of you are as I was mentioning are some there's really a handful I think of people who have actually done extensive work uh, investigating Charles Lieber and doing your best to expose him which I think does need to be brought to the forefront uh, because you know he's been in the media but as we were discussing before we pressed record uh, you know probably not for the reasons that are really warranted um, usually they, what, what they show us is often not what's actually going on behind the scenes. So, uh, but I would be, I'm curious for both of you, why you started to investigate and do such thorough work on him. And I guess whoever wants to go first. Right. Do you want to go ahead, Ryan? Sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was such a, it, it, it's such an interesting timing for me, the, the, for me, the first thing that stood out was, and, and to be, to even get it before even getting into Charles Lieber, a lot of us have been researching things like nanotechnology, kind of the future direction of where things were going, even the overlap with the bio, you know, manipulation field, both in regard to medicine, but also, you know, weapons and so on. And and so when this popped up for me, it was right in the beginning. I don't remember the exact month, but it was right in the beginning of COVID-19, right? January we're all trying 2020. There you go. And so we're all trying to flesh out like what exactly is going on in this massive, ridiculous thing anyway. 
And and all of a sudden, this story popped up about a, a Harvard scientist who we quickly found out he's leading nanotechnology scientist in the world and how he kind of gets just <laughs> exit stage left, like pulled out of the story because he, you know, the, the basic story for people who haven't looked into it is that he's arrested for the story is lying about the money he received, but he was also arrested simultaneously with a couple of uh, Chinese nationals, one of which had biomaterial in his sock. They were bringing this from Beth Israel Hospital. And so there was clearly some lot more going on than just kind of hiding money he received from the Thousand Talents program in China. And there's a lot more we can get into today about why that even today especially seems very hypocritical. But for me, it stood out as something that was very, very conspicuous. So, and at this time, I hadn't even necessarily completely put together nanotechnology with what I think is going on with COVID nineteen. But nonetheless, I'm thinking, okay, biomaterial, blood, you know, the investigation around this COVID nineteen, China, even including the Wuhan T- uh, Institute of Technology. And so, for me, right away, I'm like, there's something there. I mean, there's just no, there's no ignoring that there's something going on with this and how that plugs into the bigger story. And as this has developed. You know, he's just kind of been removed from the story. They kept pushing out the sentencing, and, and it just seemed very, very strange. And so as this development continued, I'm like, okay, wait a minute. As we all started realizing, okay, lipid nanoparticles, you know, the idea of using the cell to, rather, the, you know, lipid nanoparticle to insert something into a cell and how that applies to the technology, and then then the overlap for me with Robert Langer, and we can get into all that as well. But that's where it really kind of began for me when I started to realize that there was something much darker than just even creating a virus. And that may even be, in fact, what we can get into. One of the things this could be, the virus size transistor conversation. But I just realized there was a lot more to this. And you're right. Nobody seems to be really piecing these together, more so today than I've seen in a really long time. But it always falls into this kind of partisan discussion about right. you know China and Libra, which somehow doesn't include everybody over here or vice versa. So yeah, I think this is kind of a linchpin to a larger part that is even bigger than just COVID-19, quite frankly. Totally. And most people don't even know that he was partners with Elon Musk on the Neuralink. <laughs> right, <laughs> He's basically right. invented the Neuralink. Most people have yeah. no idea. There's yeah. a lot of those overlaps with the Neuralink, as as, as uh, Miriam is one of the people that first showed me this newer stuff about the mesh and all this mm-hmm. overlap. I mean, it's all the same stuff. And I even just found out that one of SpaceX's uh, engineers, I believe, and I just stopped top of my head, so I have to get the actual quote, is somebody who worked on things in regard to with Charles Lieber and this other work from before. And so you can kind of see that there is this overlap. And I'm sure we'll get into about the the wiring and the mesh, which is the brain machine interface, but it also overlaps with the technology used for the vaccine. You know, so it's very concerning. Right. So from my perspective, I remember when he was arrested and the DOJ held this press conference and I was covering like 12 hours a day, just blow by blow, um, the Rona regime in the early beginnings. And this was, he was arrested January 28th, 2020, which was just on the heels of the first ever lockdown in our history, which, which, which was Wuhan, before we got acclimated and became normalized to lock us in our, our homes. So it seemed like, oh, it was hinting to him being a spy. And uh, so I, I kept an eye on on this case, not knowing also the full scope of his connections and, you know, later dubbed him the, the nanotech king. So as um, I recall looking at the docket and I uh, they they shut down Massachusetts and then I saw in the docket the next day, he gets a pass, even though he had relinquished his passport to go and visit family is the way it was said in, uh, I think, Rhode Island or or Jersey. So I was like, huh, why is this guy getting a, a pass? And then 
you know, fast forward that I noticed nobody else was really covering the developments of this case. And I had started looking into the nanotech. And when, when Wuhan first got shut down, I did tell Zach Voorhees, the Google whistleblower, I think that something is parlaying. That's the word that came to me. It's not a word I use every day, but it means communicating. Um, something aerosolized or in a vaccine is parlaying with 5G. And he told me, don't say that. And I even used the word theorized. It just so happened I had lived on a test street in Los Angeles, which was part of the 5G fast plan, and it started in California. And so I felt I'm sensitive and was feeling the the 5G, got a a meter that Mercola had uh, recommended and got data that there was this electromagnetic. So now a year later, and I come across graphene oxide, and I started seeing, oh, Stu Peters, like, oh, now you guys are starting to talk about something that I said in the very early beginning and making these connections. So I went and I tweeted and I said, you'll see graphene oxide is the secret sauce. Where are you, Charles Lieber? And literally 10 minutes later, they deleted me off of, of Twitter. So I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to keep an eye on you, Charlie. I'm going to become an expert of who you are. And that's when I came across in further depth, all of the the nanotech and dubbed him the nanotech king um, because without him, I mean, he is a pioneer. He's a prized asset. And then I saw how they kind of diluted this case and kind of um, dismissed the severity because, yeah, is it a is it a crime? As they say, his lawyers, it's not a crime to be part of the thousands projects plan. And then also just one more thing that. When Joe Biden uh, came into office, the, the under Trump, there was the China Initiative, which was supposedly to help stop IP um, espionage, intellectual property. And they completely 404 the entire government initiative, which seemed crazy to me to kind of like throw it under the rug and pretend that it never happened. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm curious, before we dive into what, what's happened with him now and the research that he's done, uh, have both of you, I think both of you have done a little bit of uh, research on his history and his family. I always think that's very telling. Um, and of course, I have a theory that I, I cannot prove at this point, but I, I suspect that his father was actually a paperclip guy. His father was a rocketeering guy. He was a telemetry scientist. Uh, and he was one of the uh, heads of the Idelweiss company, which is very instrumental in uh, the Nazi uh, technology and weaponry. And then, of course, uh, Charles did, worked there as well. And then he helped to uh, he, w- he was part of a project to help Africa uh, with getting the equipment to be able to uh, assist the Nazis. And that seems interesting to me as well. So. I, I, but the do, reason I'm I'm even interested in that at all because I think they do kind of keep it in the family typically, um, but I also think that you know as part of this bigger apparatus, which I would say goes even beyond our government apparatus. You know, I think this is kind of part of the uh, you know global governance agenda and uh, you know internet supranationally coordinated. Uh, they tend to recruit people. And they have an agenda. So uh, you know whether or not we think that he's. Uh, 
a criminal, quote unquote, because you know that's what they're claiming, but of course, from the tax perspective, but whether or not he's wittingly a part of this plan or he's being exploited or it's some combination thereof, I, I think is relevant and it's interesting to explore. So I'm curious your thoughts on that. Yeah, well, I'd like to add to, I, I wrote this down from what you said in the beginning, actually, which is really interesting is we we tend to, we, we focus a lot more so on Operation Paperclip, which mm-hmm. we, I don't, I, I, Miriam, you may actually know if there's an actual title for what happened in regards to Japan, but we know mm-hmm. that Dr. Ishii is, as you and I, we talked about this, Courtney, is that he's the, the I think on a previous discussion, yep. that he was the kind of foundation of the bio medical research direction of the United States. So it's the same thing. The, the Nazi scientists doing all the very dangerous things became the focal, the foundation of NASA and the same thing with our bio discussion. So it's interesting that it's almost as if it really did take, like, I mean, there's lots of discussions about whether, we, whatever your thoughts are on who was really funding what side and behind what side, that the people above it all were utilizing different things during that time to research different things, the eugenics direction. And we can see an overlap with the technical side as and you know, with the bio side, which now is converging, as Klaus Schwab is telling us, with our lives as well. So it's very interesting to think about that. And I think, so, and back to your point, though, I, I do think that there is some relevance to where that comes from and, and the background. But then to your second point about, you know, whether or not he's used, you know, and we were kind of talking about this beforehand. And I, yeah. I do, I think it's interesting that, you know, the way this plays out doesn't make sense, right? So he gets time served, after all this time, and yes, the word spy is floated around by literally everybody, including the government, or rather some people in the government, but then it ends up where it's a slap on the wrist. Well, you just kind of lied about this or that. What happened to the people shipping biomaterial? Oh, we don't even talk about that. You know, there's something very clear here. My my gut, this is just my opinion, would tell me that this person's being you know, used, leaned on in regard to something that everybody takes part in. We can point out that there's all sorts of other scientists overlap with China research, that China researchers, you know, we uh, the story I was alluding to earlier was the military overlap. We're finding out that research from NIH is being like subcontracted out to military research in China. It, it, our government's well aware of this stuff, yes. right? So I think Lieber is kind of a, a release valve to a degree. And, uh, and clearly, if he didn't get charged with anything, maybe he was involved with that discussion, just going, look, we're going to, you know, give you a little tap on the wrist. And and as Miriam pointed out, he's continued to do research every right. moment since this has started. So it seems to me this is a an illusion, really. Yeah. Right. I just learned that seven months ago, he won a, a Welch award. And, and like I say, he's a prized asset and has... Um, got an Israeli um, award as well. His father was working for RCA. In one of my articles, I talk about the dad and apparently when he immigrated from wherever they changed his name, mm-hmm. um, I'd have to look back at, at my notes, but or is he disposable? Or right, like his, because his grandfather claimed not to have been a veteran. Yeah. 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 Um, and so he worked for RCA. They, they, they positioned in articles that I read as an as a satellite spy, but I believe it stays it stays in the family. And then we saw how they diluted his charges to kind of like oh tap on the wrist tax evasion. And the lawyer who's ninety three, I mean the the judge mm-hmm. also graduated from Harvard. She she's so it's all a you know say one thing, but in they're all working behind. And and the truth is that Harvard owned part of his his home and so was he running the lab from his his house um it's just they claim harvard claims they didn't know and that 
because of that, they, they lied inadvertently to the NIH. But in reality, if you see, it says joint nano lab with yeah. Harvard. I, I find it very hard to believe Harvard. It was the Harvard Wuhan, uh, Wuhan right. Technology Lab. Yeah. Right. And, and, or, or that the NIH wasn't aware. That's right. the great, same exactly. point. Yeah. And, and and meanwhile, he's working for DOD. He's working for DARPA. And like like you said, people don't even know that he's integral in the Neuralace. And it's it's because of him that this is revolutionary, right? Um, um, what's his name? Kurt's um, singularity guy. What's Kurt? Uh, Ray Kurzweil. Yeah, Kurzweil says in his book that they will be replacing the human cell with nanotech. So it's it's thanks to Charlie to allow that to um for the transhumanist agenda to be born and and yeah. Yeah. Right, right. See, there's a really important part. And it, yeah. let me, uh, I don't know, can I jump to a point or did you want yeah, to say something? Yeah. Okay. I find yeah. this to be a really important part to kind of include this. So this is where it becomes really interesting to me. And so I've continued to try to find more of the overlaps with other individuals. And one of the people that stood out the most to me was Robert Langer. Right. Yeah. And so this is where you get into the connection between both the bi the nanotechnology side of it, but also the the bio research that allows the sort of, you know, what basically the lipid nanoparticle encapsulation that allows this process to even exist. Yeah. Right. So you see this merging and that goes all the way back to 1979, where Langer literally created this ability that he was kind of sh almost shunned from scientific community for years they were like that's ridiculous it doesn't make any sense maybe it doesn't right maybe that's the point and maybe they shoved this in and it's a different story but so if i could share this i'll show the yeah. <clears throat> the yeah. article that we all discussed in many different times yeah and, and this is such an important article this is 2011 right. and the point that i was kind of referencing before earlier without getting into it was that you know it's very possible that this itself could be what we're dealing with and I, i'm not saying i know that i'm just saying if we know that they had literally created not you know these dime-sized things they hold up and go, here's the new technology. We're talking literal virus-sized, I mean, robot is not is not the appropriate word today, but that's what this is. It's a, it is a transistor that acts like a virus. And the main point he makes in here is that nanoscale devices can actually communicate with living organisms, two-way two communication, which Miriam's the one that pointed that out more new today. That's the stuff that they're getting far past just like biomaterial information, which is what this started with. Like, how's your blood pressure? Now it's like literally overlapping with your visual cortex and what they can see. And this is real-time stuff. But yeah. the craziest part to me was, and here, just so you can see that he, this, when they coated it with uh, a nano fatty lipid layer, that they yeah. it was able to penetrate the cell without any problems. But it's saying it's important, this in innovation, because it indicates that when man-made structures are as small as this, they act the way biology does. So I pause it again. Like, how... Is it, it's clearly possible that this is something that got out or was released or used. We wouldn't know the difference. There's no way to tell. And, right. you know, anyway, so I think that's important. And then, so this is utilizing Lieber's, Langer, Robert Langer's research to make this kind of come to fruition. And I think that's really important. Whitney wrote this article, uh, the, the, mm -hmm. the Bob Langer, the coronavirus common denominator and his ties to Charles Lieber. You know, so it's really interesting how all this ties together. This is the academic backer for Moderna. Mm. Right, so yeah. it's hard not to see how this connects. Go ahead. Well, I would love to see to get that article. I haven't read that article. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think the other. I, I mean, it's all tied to this, but is the DARPA hydrogel, right? Yeah. And that he was really instrumental in that. And there are a lot of doctors and researchers and scientists now that are speculating that that's the 
most problematic part of the injections, that it's really the, it's the nanolipid encasement. And a lot yeah. of people, you know, I think early on were speculating that it was the adjuvants like the PEG, uh, you know, some of the other toxic uh, particles that were being uh, added to it, which I'm sure are not helpful, I'm sure. But we've been exposed to a lot of those uh, previously, but we haven't been exposed to is a hydra-like substance being intravenously injected into our systems. And that acts as, I, I, my... My speculation is that's part of why things like hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin were censored so heavily because they're anti-parasitic. And yeah. the whole point of the uh, Harp, uh, DARPA hydrogel, which Lieber was very instrumental in uh, you know, researching and developing, is that it acts and mimics a organic parasite. And that's right. a, I mean, that's a really terrifying concept because yeah. now if we have synthetic parasites, I mean, parasites alone can be very problematic and very difficult to diagnose and to treat and deal with. Now, if you have synthetic ones, what, what, what does that mean for the future? So. Which we do already, though. That's to the point, right? Mm -hmm. So this is the, yeah. kind, the same point going back to what he said. So back to whether we're talking bacteria or any parasites, right, right. the same concept that when it's biology, it acts the same as, or rather when it's that small it acts the same as biology. So it's a great point. I mean, it's it could very well be the exact same thing we're talking about. Um, this Here's another actually good article that was we put up in 2020, I think as well. Coronavirus gives a dangerous boost to DARPA's darkest agenda. And this is exactly what you're talking about. This this gets into the things they were discussing. This I'm actually going to do another deep dive on this coming up soon. Yeah, but the okay. in vivo nano platforms, like this goes beyond just having injectable nano material. This is like internal body platform systems that can produce their own thing. I play that clip all the time where the Pfizer guy is saying they want to turn your yeah. your cells in your body into drug factories. I mean, this is yep. what we're getting at, you know. And but also, as you said, the living foundries and the hydrogels, and you know, it, it's it's pretty alarming. There's a there's 66 plus patents. Um, yeah. another, another one was that I found convenient is the cyborg heart tissue. As we're normalizing all these heart conditions, that oh, Charlie has a cyborg heart tissue ready ready to go, or the internet of things, internet of bodies, to be able to record our thoughts. Like I'm looking, I can share a... Uh, let's see. While you're grabbing that, oh, go ahead. Uh, have you, we should look into the internet of nano things as well. Yeah. I hadn't even heard about yeah. that until like a month ago. And I was like, that's, they're already planning the next three steps. We're barely at the internet of bodies. Right. Wow. So this is nanoelectronics, innervated cells, cell networks, and three-dimensional biomaterials, but it's always positioned for our safety or for health to be able to record our uh, fluctuations in our body. And my question also is how how long how do we know this this hasn't been going on for longer than we're told, right? Mm -hmm. Um we should always ask that. I, yeah. That's something we should always never be afraid to ask is, I mean, I think we've even talked about this, Miriam, is that maybe on, our, on the last interview we had, the military almost always, if you historically look back at any of the stuff we talk about, has used these things for years before they then present it as new and then we just invented this and it's already, nope. you know, encircling you. <laughs> that's pretty much how this works. I think yeah. typically it's around 20 years, but at least right. I think it's much, much more than that. This one is a plug and play mesh electronic to um, inject the mesh into the little brain of the of the mouse, and uh, oh yeah, I've seen read. Um, but you know, here we are still today uh, being gaslit or um, yeah ridiculed for talking about an, a relationship between 
an electronic or a injectable and the 5G no. that it's still it's still beyond the scope. I was on a six hour Twitter space about the origin story because I've been paying close attention and I brought up graphene oxide and in my ebook on understanding the mechanisms I have a, a, a big part on geo and its conductivity, but I've only found one page in the Pfizer documents that mentions graphene. And I say, well, it's like KFC doesn't tell you about um, their secret sauce. So if it's proprietary, right? All I know is they deleted my eight, 10 year account over mentioning graphene oxide and Charles Lieber. Um, so I want, sorry. Oh, no, so I thought you were done. Oh, go ahead, finish, and I'll jump I, in. I just want to say, I, uh, to end, like, at what point will we be able to really explore the possibility of the, the Cinco Geo communicating with something that's injected in us or aerosolized or whatnot? What are your both thoughts on this interplay? Yeah, this it's so crazy mm -hmm. to me that we can have such... Con like, so we're literally discussing the Internet of, of Bodies, and, and if you look into what they mean by that, they're like, well, you know, technology and it'll be implanted and you'll be able to commute your body internally. And then if you go, okay, so is it possible they're injecting it? No, fake, crazy, crazy story. Right. You know, it's like, well, wait a minute. You just said that that's what they're promoting. So it's so frustrating to see how clear this is happening on the note of graphene oxide. This is such a frustrating topic because it's the same, same kind of thing that you can very clearly look up, do your due diligence. And there is an endless amount of peer-reviewed studies I mean, like right before this and even during COVID, that's basically saying the illusion of COVID, literally saying, you know, this is the next step. This is the future of vaccination. Like, not, it's not a secret. And yet you talk about this, not even as could it be in the shot, just bring it up as is this a vaccine topic? And people act like you're a lunatic. Yeah, right. and so there's clearly something to me there. And I think that it's very alarming, the self-assembling nanobots that aligns exact, which is why you brought it up. It aligns with exactly what we're talking about today. Yeah. But I would argue that I don't think I would be Say I would be willing to say that I know for sure that it's in there, but I do I know what you're talking about with the Pfizer docs. But there's of course there's a narrative around that that you know this is not what it is. It means something else. Right. And maybe it's true, but I think it's important that you know it's something we should be researching because it's alarming and it is clearly a key integral part of how you connect what we're doing now with this next technological step bio overlap. But yeah. you know I think it's we have enough that we can prove right now that you know it's if we focus on what we have in front of us it's enough but these next steps are very alarming and it gets into the overlap of how that could be used to in th this again comes right back to Lieber Langer research about how they can bio you know sense you know, both your body's you know again like your blood pressure and so on your heartbeat but then also literally being able to send back information about what you're doing how you feel these are not hypothetical things it's in the peer reviewed science and so that's very concerning to me when they're literally telling you that your choices about these vaccines ki are killing everybody, you know? So they're already making a rational point about why they need to create a circumstance where it's not your choice and self-spreading vaccines is an obvious point we could discuss, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, well, two things I just wanted to address in that. Uh, one is the uh, graphene oxide. I, I'm pretty sure, and I wish I had it in front of me, but it would take me a while to find it, but I, I will look for it to pull it up uh, in case anybody wants it. But I was pretty sure, and I, I don't know if it was 2018 or 2019, but there was some... Uh, studies showing that they put graphene oxide actually into the flu vaccine, just a generic yeah, flu. Yeah. Yes. Okay. yeah. Yeah. So it, that's it, very concerning. And uh, it almost seems to me like they were doing some sort of, and again, this is speculation, but just why was it in there other than to possibly beta test how that would go um, and what yeah. 
an activity could have been. And of course, then, you know, when they roll out the, uh, uh, and then just one other really quick point I want to make, I, I think I've, I've said this before on conversations with both of you, but I think it bears repeating is that very few people have looked into, and there's very, it's very difficult to dig up, but, uh, there's a leader Inc. technologies lawsuit. Yeah. Uh, yes, against it's Michael McKibben and it's against Facebook and the government. And uh, I, I personally, again, this is speculation, but I think the whole, uh, you know, Aaron Sorkin's uh, social network movie came out specifically as a predictive programming and uh, propaganda to avert attention into looking into what was really going on behind that. And that was the part of the reason why they took that technology wasn't because of the social network. Uh, capability. It was because part of what was embedded in uh, that research and the development of his technology was the Internet of Things. Mm. And that's what was so valuable to them. That's why uh, the government had taken it. And that was what was utilized for uh, LifeLog, at least according to these, you know, uh, court documents. I want to share one more uh, thing before we move on from graphing. Can you see the screen? So this is in my 80-page ebook on understanding the mechanisms. And I go into, um, you know, despite denials and even suspending, there's a study on how functionalized graphene oxide serves as a novel vaccine nanoadjuvant for robust stimulation of cellular immunity. So, and here what you said, adjuvant in the flu shots, graphene oxide was also. So I have a extensive, it's full of full of links and talking about the possibilities um, of of graphene oxide as a primary agent in the hydrogels. So I just didn't remember it off the top of my head. Um, But here's a quote, scientists found the virus used in the jab attracts a protein in the blood called platelet factor four, like a magnet. And so people can go and um, explore the possibility of... um, And then I have another chapter, final installment in my 10-part series, looking at 5G Charles Lieber graphene and uh, how it all interplays. So there is weight to this. But when I was put on the spot yesterday um, on the call on the Twitter space of like, how, how do you know? That sounds, I didn't have this at my fingertips to be able to address because I'm all about being you know, substantial information and not just talking highfalutin um, concepts. So I, I would encourage people to go and either get this ebook or just look, like Ryan said, it's out there. If you look, you can still find information. Yeah. I was just looking really quickly for, you know, I think it's important to note that I, the, the graphene oxide and the flu discussion. I don't remember if that was something that was actually distributed, but I de- the point regardless is that it, I, I, there's one right here I could bring up just that I think it's important yeah. people to know we're not just pulling this out of nowhere is that there, there are real discussions. This is May, 2021. And it's, it's, you can see it right here, just that they create a two dimensional nanomaterial, you know, functional graphene oxide nanoparticles. This is the conventional flu vaccine predominantly include these. Antibi- the point is that that's what they're discussing. And this is not some kind of futuristic thing, the point is you can do your research on this and realize, as we said, this goes back years before this, and it's been a very public conversation. People have just never been this immersed in like the science, which is funny today. The the science is no longer, you know, everyone's got a different opinion. It's either trusting the CDC or actually looking at things. But (laughs) the point is that it's been there, you know, and it's very clear. So it's weird that it got regarded as some kind of crazy lunatic story, which makes me wonder, okay, well, why is that being regarded that way? You know, I think that this is the next step. I think what the, whether it's, 
self-assembling nanotechnology or just, there's these are all different moving parts to a body of, of you know this kind of technocratic direction of science where it's about control biosensing feedback information and you know and really and this all overlaps with the technocratic we don't have to get into this if you guys don't want but you know the, the where this is going the great reset yeah. and yeah. 15 minute cities and smart cities I and mean, it's all overlapped you know? seems, yeah yeah exactly i want to say also that and from my findings, I think we've been taking part in a huge ass experiment where there's been a lot of different substances, different batches, different lots, I believe. And, and I've asked others like Dr. Judy about the saline. And so now the reason this is like their post-mortem regroup, like what are we going to do for the next pandemic? But in reality, they're collecting the data from all of these experiments and so who knows if some of the batches had GO, especially when we're being gaslit to think otherwise or look the look the other way. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Exactly. Question it. So Ryan, you were saying like there's so much that's really tangible that we can prove. What are some things you think people should focus on that are really quantifiable in, in regards to Libra, the nanotechnology, and then we can speculate where this might be going from there? Well, again, just to reiterate the actual provable stance of where yeah. this was and where it is currently now, you know, th this is about having, you know, not not only being able to monitor your body, like, again, right. your, your internal diagnosis, but also being able to actually send back information about feelings about and now and the current stuff is which we got into it's talking yeah. about implantable mesh via syringe, which can actually be can be used with your visual cortex and, and literally send back visual information. Now, maybe that doesn't mean that. Charles. Yeah, Lieber. right. Yeah. Right. And and again, this you can prove this overlaps with both Langer and Lieber's research and that it is just a stepping stone. They, I mean, I would put it like this. I would argue that they would be light years behind where they are now if they didn't have all of what happened during COVID-19 and the injections, because I agree. I think whether this was everybody involved or not, this was utilized as an experiment. I mean, you could even look at it this way for people that might think that sounds crazy. may never let a good crisis go to waste mentality. Maybe it wasn't a plan, but they just said, well, shoot, <laughs> let's just see what happens if we don't include this. We know that's what these people do. Not everyone everywhere, but some people in powerful positions will always take advantage. It's like that. Old, I was just watching something, you know, if you, it, people, there's always a percentage. If there's a situation where you can cheat, there was a percentage of people that will literally always cheat. And that's who we're talking about, the sociopaths. And that's a, that's a real thing. Is yep. it, you know, so the bottom line is I think that we can prove that they've worked on this stuff in regard to trying to influence. And, 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 and actually, this is a good point to include this. This is, again, tangible information. This is where I think it's going and it's yeah. already actually happening. Okay. I've, we've talked about this a lot uh, on, on the show as well as uh, other, other work. This is from 2016. Oh, yeah. Oh, this yeah. is The Guardian. And I use this article just to show people that won't seem to only want to listen to what a corporate media outlet says. It's talking about a genetically engineered, what they call magnetoprotein, it's ferritin, remotely yeah. controls brain and behavior. Now, this doesn't get in as deep. You should read the study itself. But when you really go through the information, and I've done deep dives on this, actually, I guess this is one of them right here. This, this actually overlaps with the new injection, not this one from 2016, but a new, brand new lipid nanoparticle spike protein ferritin wow. injection. This is currently a new flu shot that they're putting out. And so the concern here is that when you read into this, you can prove quite literally that this ferritin particle, even using the exact design that they're utilizing, can be used to actually control the movements of some of these animals. And it gets right down to like, they go through different levels. They talk about um, amoeba kind of stuff, but then they literally get to rodents and they are able to actually control movement. They can control the way you perceive things like me. You feel hungry or not. You feel right. sad or not. I mean, 
I'm not saying I can prove to you that that's what this injection can do, but how can we look at this, right? How can we look at in current discussion and realize that they're telling you that in 2016, they already went over this as something that can quite literally control your brain. And now they're like, oh, by the way, we're pumping out a new injection with the exact same topic. I just think people, we shouldn't be this, we should question stuff more than this. You know, the, this people are scared to ask this question because you're being framed as a conspiracy theorist. I right. think we're starting to get past that hurdle today. I know people aren't as afraid as they used to be. Yeah, I would agree with that. I'm curious your thoughts on, uh, are you both familiar with uh, the Amherst, uh, Mass Amherst study that was saying how 6G is now going to harness and leverage, uh, you know, human, essentially the electromagnetic abilities of humans for, for power, for batteries, energy. Into yeah, exactly. But well, I'm curious, yeah, right. and uh, this would of course be speculation, but I'm curious of all of this technology, yes, this one, uh, if wow. all of this nanotechnology is somehow uh, going to be then interface with this, because I, I I know they were, you know, the whole connection to the 5G, of course, you know, they framed that as being crazy, again, conspiracy theory or speculation. But Lieber's patent literally talks about using the radio, tech, uh, you know, radio active technology in order to use as a uh, remote control interface. I mean, that's what his patent says. So as well as that, magnetics. Yeah. Yeah. But it says that it would be con the control center would be something like a 5G tower. They don't use those words. Um, and it wouldn't be the same uh, hertz that the 5G towers are set for cell phone. But the 5G tower has that capacity to be set to uh, the power that is necessary in order to be uh, the locus to be a remote control interface for this technology. And that's already yeah. written out. It's laid out. The technology is there. Whether that's what the injections are or not, I can't prove that per se. Um, although I will say in the Operation Warp Speed documents, it does say that it is a uh, track and trace surveillance and remote interface technology. It says and that. In the Operation Warp Speed document, that's right there in there. Uh, you know, I mean, we can dispute about whether or not, you know, Trump knew that when he signed it or not, but <laughs> or if he read the documents at all. And that's a whole yeah. other conversation. I'm, I'm open to having that conversation. But but I'm curious about if so if that technology exists, then uh, I know you were mentioning the nanotechnology Internet of uh, Internet of Nanotechnology, essentially. Um, yeah. And I'm curious how potentially like a 6G could interface with that. Yeah, well, it's, it's actually the Internet of Nano Things. And so to mm -hmm. really understand this for the average person is we're literally talking about you take one of these nano, you know, bots, essentially, because right. this goes past the idea of a nanoparticle, which could, which could just be a very small substance, mm -hmm. you know. Right. So this is something that is an actual, you know, as just using the radio frequency observation there, because the point was he goes over uh, at least three which was there's you can use lights, you can use magnetics, and you can use radio frequency. And I think there's even another one which gets into the new version. But but so this is you could use something from the outside, which could mm. then influence this receivable right. nanotechnology that's literally yeah. inside your body. This is not hyperbole. This is currently working. There's even real world examples like we just showed you of stuff they've been doing for years. So all we keep uh, that we keep talking about is like we should just ask whether it's possible that somebody, not everybody involved with these, could have made this happen. Like to your point, Courtney. My point would be that I don't. I, I would actually be willing to bet everything that the vast majority of people involved with this either don't know for a number of reasons or kind of choose not to see it 
because I, it just, you know, it's very uncomfortable and they, that can't be what they're doing. But some people at the top are aware of this kind of stuff and have clearly driven it. But that's what that really means, though. So you could then influence these actions, these individual bots. You could influence, like we talked about, you're maybe you suddenly one of the scariest ones, actually. And again, this comes from what Miriam shared with me is talking about being able to either rise or fall your insulin levels. I mean, that that's that's a weapon. You can murder somebody like that really easily. And you would never be able to prove that. Now, how, how about we ask whether that's been going on for 20 years, 10 years, five years? You know, we would never know. That's right. what's and isn't it interesting how they've recently been uh, manipulating the uh, insulin medication, the prices, the right. uh, availability, uh, and maybe manipulation is a harsh word, but it does seem to be fluctuating and, uh, you know, a variance that doesn't seem very organic. Right? Yeah. I want I want to add, you know, Ryan's saying people don't choose to see, but I think it's because people can't see nano or just like they, they dismiss mold and its impact on the body um, and also frequency warfare. Mm-hmm. And, and that's just beyond the scope of understanding when there's so much emphasis on like, trust what you can see. And, and there's more to it. I can tell you that after writing about Elon Musk's Neuralace and, and all the monkeys that have died and, and uh, the physicians for responsible medicine did an investigation in UC Davis, but as a result, had several people reach out to the nonprofit and then she lobbed them to me of people claiming to have um, being targeted individuals and mm-hmm. feeling myself that I've been targeted. Maybe I say they tailor their torture to the person. Just yesterday, I was on the Twitter space and someone reached out to me saying that they're um, a victim of frequency warfare. It's just too, it's sad that people will not put enough um, weight into, into that, even though there is harp and people can look into uh, the impact of these directed weapons. For instance, I believe, and I covered what happened at the Travis Scott um, Mm -hmm. concert, which again is. Bastard her. Yeah. Yeah, dubbed as conspiratorial, but there was there, if the people were vaccinated and it was a vaccine only, they're in a, a box, um, metal, they have their, their phones, there's frequencies in the music, the tones, and um, then yeah. you have 11 simultaneous cardiac arrests. Like when on earth have you ever heard of pop- hearts popping off at the same time? There was also an incident in Mehran in Israel where there was these directed frequency. And so what are they inter- interacting with, interfacing with? I just know, you know, I don't just say, oh, you're a crazy person because you you have, you're telling me that you're uh, being bombarded with these frequencies. I am sensitive to, no, I'm, I'm in South Beach right now. There's a hell, a lot of 5G and it's impacting my sleep. So mm-hmm. am I nuts? Um, there's others who feel... Who feel that way and why is it that they erected all of these ultra high um, millimeter waves and connect while everybody was locked down that was a booming industry so how does it play in, into into all of this tesla for races is real mm-hmm. yeah that, that was donald trump's legislation by the way that that was the yeah. actual video that got my major my largest two, youtube account taken down for the first time I'll just simply pointing out, this was rolled out while COVID, under the cover of COVID-19. wasn't even making the connection, which there's a conversation to be had that might be there. Just simply going, right. look at what he's doing. And it's over a million views got censored. You know, it's it's interesting to see how it's, it's amazing. My, my stance would always be that I think that, you know, it's, we can, the questions are important. We should ask yeah. all of these questions. But the point is that we, 
all I come back to is, do these things exist? Of course they do. You can prove this. Like, go back mm-hmm. even further. Did the heart gu- the heart attack gun right. exist and still and does today? Oh, of yeah. course it does. They lied about it and they said no until it got proven in Congress. Now we still pretend like it's a conspiracy theory. Yeah. You know. So the point is, obviously, it was already they- ruled in Congress. Like, how are we denying this still? Like everything else, you know, chemtrails still it's ridiculous. But yes, so the, the point is that there is technology to be able to use directed energy. They've openly talked about this. It, they, there's even weapons. I think a, what's that. Scalar weapons. I, I mean, that's I a real scalar weapon. Scalar. Scalar. I don't think. Yeah, that uh, it's based on Tesla's uh, technology. So you know, I, I always talk about how like any any powerful tool can be used for good. It can be used for bad. It could put, right. the tool itself can be neutral. Um, but so Tesla uh, frequency technology can absolutely. Uh, a lot of people believe it has healing powers, and there's you know definitely a, a surgeons right now of like a quantum type of. Uh, healing technology that's being explored. Uh, and there's certainly potential there, but there's also frequency weapons that they use through uh, sound frequency, light frequency. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's done both on the uh, like localized, like Miriam's talking about targeted weapons, uh, but they can also be used uh, mass scale. And, uh, you know, I, I know, I think, I think it was Dr. Lee Merritt actually who uh, drew my attention to it because uh you know, I had asked her about a lot of people are concerned about certainly World War Three and if it goes kinetic and nuclear uh, nuclear war. That type of, and she was like, I don't really see that as really being uh, very viable, but I am concerned about scalar warfare. And actually, the guy I'm intru- uh, interviewing after a little bit later uh, is uh, he's working on the healing modalities of scalar technology, but but they do have the weaponized version, and it's essentially frequent uh, frequency technology. So it's- yeah. It's it's so not uh, acknowledged. Like I have for my injured knee, um, this Terra wand. And it's like, I'll show it to you. So to me, it's like, and there's a light. And like, am I I (laughs) blow drying my knee? I'm like, even to me, I can't grasp what is a terahertz, but supposedly it's it's the same frequency uh, as your cell. But it's like, oh, am I using a blow dryer with a blue light on my knee? It looks like a lightsaber. <laughs> right? I even thought like, I'll just, you know, if I put it on my heart, I'll just do like a visualization that I'm clearing out my chakras. Like even if it's BS uh, and it's hippie, but apparently this guy got busted by the FDA and uh, there might be some some merit to it, but it's well, not, it's something that's not easily graspable by people even well, myself well, that's open the the placebo yeah. effect itself has been proven right. scientifically so you know what i mean it's i yeah. hate the fact <laughs> that the government steps in and is like you can't you know if it's helping people it's helping people like that right. the bottom line is that's what i hate about a lot of these things that there's not even evidence of a harm in a lot of cases that i've looked into in the past right. it's just that they argue it can't be proven to be viable it's like well welcome to everything you're pushing on us every day you know it's right. just it's such a t- double standard but yeah, there, I've seen some stuff on this that is interesting. I haven't done too yeah. too deep a dive. Somebody sent me some stuff on that exact uh, the like the Tesla energy overlap. Yeah. You know, it was like a wand. They're supposed to be used. Yeah. I've never actually used it, but it's you know, I, I think it's interesting. I shouldn't. We shouldn't dismiss anything like that. No, yeah, I, I would like to know how to how it it works. Like I mm-hmm. can't articulate yet. Sorry, Courtney. What were you going to say? Oh no, I was just going to say that. Uh, yeah, I don't know enough to know. You know how effective it would be. Uh, you know, for good or for bad, whether it be you know really viable as a like 
you know, in lieu of a nuclear weapon. Um, I don't know. Or as something that's really a healing modality. I've I've tested some of these uh, quantum healing modalities and I, I haven't had really like miraculous type of results. Uh, but I have done the ones where like you hold in one hand and uh, then like somebody tries to push you over. I don't know. I can't explain how that works, but that, like that does work. It's not muscle. No, it's like a, you're holding something that has the quantum oh. like oh. frequency. And if you don't hold it, like somebody can push me over, like somebody who is much bigger and stronger yeah. can just push me. And then if I hold that, it's like much harder. Um, and again, maybe that could be psychological. I don't know. I don't know enough about how that actually works. But what I was... Look, what I was just going to say is that it's just interesting to me that the conversation is not allowed to be had. Like people, mm. I know so many people who have been arrested for, you know, supposedly having a med bed. I have no idea if those work, if they actually exist. I, I don't know. I've heard the theories about them. I've not witnessed it or seen it. Um, but I've heard these stories of people like direct people who I, I know who've been arrested for it, um, which is just why, what, why is this such a, a threat to even talk about, even if it was complete BS, it, we right. should be looking at, is it doing harm? If it's doing harm, then that's a different story. But, you know, I, I already know argue. what? Uh, I, was just, I would still argue it comes down to choice, right? Even if it's harm, yeah, it's totally. individual choice, you know? I, I would argue that as well. But I was just going to say with all the pharmaceutical stuff that they're pushing down their right. our throats, we know <laughs> that a lot of them, they all have side effects. So, right. yeah, people can choose. They talk to their doctor and they say, okay, I'm willing to take that risk. And a lot of times they don't even know the risks exist, but they're willing to, you know, there's side effects with pharmaceuticals that you take. So why couldn't you, there might be with some of this other technology, but we're not even allowed to have the conversation. I, and, I think it's, oh, go ahead, Mary, go ahead. Sorry, I was, and say we, we are electricity and water. Yeah. So why is it so beyond the realm of possibility? And that when I was across the street from the 5G pole, I was also contending with mold and I noticed I had been away um, to Costa Rica, came back, and I, I felt it like waves of these thought patterns that I didn't identify with. And luckily, um, my my girlfriend, Danny, who's also a sensitive journalist, was, was like five minutes away from me and noticed the same thing. And then I came across a brilliant functional medicine doctor, Dr. Klinkhart, that did a test where he had two Petri dishes and one was surrounded by a Faraday cage and the other one, they were emitting the 5G and in close proximity, the mycotoxins released at a, at a greater rate of 400 times. So of course, the, these frequencies will agitate fungi, um, pathogens, parasites. Why is that? That seems so reasonable and logical to me. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a lot of evidence to support that. What were you going to say, Ryan? Oh, well, one, one thing I was going to point out, which I think is really interesting, is that is in my experience, historically, you can find things like COVID's a good example, where before this, there's all sorts of people around the world hawking all sorts of things that may be beneficial. People saying, here, take vitamin D for every sickness you might get. Nobody cared before suddenly COVID-19 came along. Now, we should ask why that is. I think we can clearly prove that vitamin D has beneficial effects. We've all just generally accepted, acknowledged, and then suddenly it changes. That seems strange, right? But you can go back and see that things like the the uh, the keto diet before COVID. Remember, it was really weird the way that they were sun suddenly in, on guard against this diet uh, or cannabis, right? How long right. have they been weirdly focused on cannabis? And we all seem to know that that's not true. I tend to think, by and large, when you get these mo mobilized efforts, 
It's because there's either corporate interest that they don't want, you know, that they want to stop because that's inching in on profits, or there's something larger going on in regard to like an agenda type. Like, like, look, vitamin D or natural immunity. We have to acknowledge how wild that was. That 30 seconds ago, Fauci said in an interview that vitamin D is always good for respiratory viruses. And then 10 seconds later, it's like you're a conspiracy <laughs> theorist. It's just, it's like an exercise in making people crazy, you know? And so I think that there's an agenda involved with all of this. And it's about stifling things that are actually important in most cases. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What's, uh, I, I mean, I think we can agree that we've encountered people uh, post jab. Um, I mean, I'm guilty of talking to customer service people and even saying like, oh, are you vaccine injured in the brain? And they don't even react. Like there's something that's happened um, post jab of, you know, the vaccines that we discussed, like what is going on? It's not just our imagination, a pilot's crap. But if, have you noticed that there are some whose behavior has changed or they're not, they're not, hello, is anybody home? Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. I, I think it has to do with a combination of which, I mean, we can prove, which which mm -hmm. more, more than one peer-reviewed study has found that there are neurological overlaps with these injections. Sure. But I think it's also just the aggressive psychological, I mean, we've never experienced something like that. It, it, this, is, this is a yeah. unique situation where people were put in this like psychological hell, this terror for, for some people are still living, like still actually pretending like wearing, I, I, I literally saw, I thought it was fake, but a real person that went into a congressional setting with like a helmet on and she was mm -hmm. real. Like, she's like, I'm just, just a, these people are suffering. Like they're terrified yeah. and trying to frame yeah. us as being terrified. You know, it's, it's, it's very concerning. So I think it's both, but I, I, I wouldn't dismiss the neurological side of it. It's very, very clear. Yeah. Pre, I mean, they, there was a lot of evidence that even before they were rolling these out, they were talking about prions disease and how that was okay. as a right. real. Yeah. And so, yeah. They're makes, baffled. They're just it baffled. Takes, it takes a couple of years for the prion disease to develop. And then it's a, it's a quick down uh, from, from there. But I mean, look, uh, there's people who right away have um, reactions to the jab and yet still don't make the connection to the vaccine. I, I On Facebook, I had saw um, a girlfriend of mine and it was a week after and she was in a wheelchair with her face mask diaper on and said the caption was, I guess my I guess my genes caught up with me and that's why I had a, a stroke. The doctor told me I was I was uh, dehydrated. And I was like, for real, lady? Like, you, you just got a vaccine a week ago. You've never had a heart issue before. And now it's like, oh, it's it's normal. That's yeah. fear. I mean, I think, I, I genuinely think the average person is just terrified that they're, that they're going to be wrong, that they're going to be called a conspiracy theorist, you know, or some people are just not intelligent enough to see it. And they just decided they're going to, you know, I here's what I actually see it as, is that the people that are willing to, push back and say, you're a conspiracy theory. I think that speaks more to the kind of person that they are, the hubris, right. the unjustified hubris that they want to be the person that can stand intellectually in front of you and be like, you're wrong. Like that's a very kind, certain kind of person, you know, and then there's just the ones that I think are just afraid. They don't want to lose their job, their kids. They don't want to be called the dangerous conspiracy theorist. They, they've been convinced that they're the only one, you know, mm -hmm. and I get that's that terrifying for parents that don't know anything else, you know, sure. it's, it's dangerous. Being intentionally silent. Sorry. Oh, no, no. What did you say? The, the intentionally silent. I wanted to have a teacher. Intentionally silent. Silence. Yeah. yeah. But 
I was just going to say, speaking of hubris, uh, so I watched some of those videos with uh, Charles Lieber when they're asking him about the funds. And uh, Ryan, you were talking about the, uh, and both of you were talking about the, the psychopathy and that that's very real. And we do know now from looking back at, uh, you know, I, I think we could have just speculated anyway. It was pretty evident, but we, we actually have quantifiable uh, evidence from declassified uh, CIA documents from things like MK Ultra that they have actually uh, figured out how to harness and either exacerbate or create uh, psychopathic traits um, or pathological traits of, of dark triad kinds of uh, personality types, things like narcissism and uh, psychopathy, sociopathy, uh, which, you know, interestingly, they uh, changed the name, made it kind of interchangeable. You look at DSM-1 versus DSM-5, they're almost unrecognizable um, and primarily for legal purposes. But uh, I think it's really interesting when you hear those because they're you know, try, they're questioning his uh, financial involvement. And uh, one of, there were two things that really struck me. And we talked a little bit about one of them uh, before we press record, but that was uh, just how he's throwing out these numbers. Like, you know, it might have been 20,000, 50,000, who knows? But it was less than 100,000. There must have been some uh, <laughs> some sort of a uh, ramification for the 100,000 mark <laughs> that he had to keep it under that. But, but he's throwing out numbers that, you know, some people don't see in a full year. Um, and, you know, as if it's like, <laughs> well, that's it. Yeah, that's unfortunate, but that's, uh, you deserve way more than that. But, you know, I think it's, uh, interesting that he's throwing these numbers out. He has no, uh, he has no accountability for it. It's like, oh yeah, my wife has this card. I'll have to ask her about it. Um, well, that was the first thing that really struck me because it's very grandiose. It's very out of touch. Um, and it's taking zero accountability. Um, for his role, for even his own personal finances. Um, and then the other thing was that really struck me was he was talking about how they asked him about if he was doing this for the money because, uh, you know, they, they were questioning the the espionage potential uh, role in this whole involvement and uh, his uh, ties to China. And was he, you know, he claimed that they said he was very helpful to China. And he uh, he said, well, really, this wasn't about the money. Uh, and this is, you know, you hear this from uh, scientists, from a lot of top intellectuals. You hear this all the time. This is not an uncommon thing to say. And of course, uh, you know, as humans, we want to be validated for the work we've done, you know, for we want to feel like we have purpose and value. You know, that that's kind of a normal uh, human emotion and desire. However, I, I think a lot of these people are exploited for having very uh, egocentric, narcissistic yeah and yeah. uh, psychopathic kind of tendencies. And he talks about how, you know, he wanted to get a Nobel Prize. That's what scientists yeah. want, you know, and that it's better, it's, it's even grander than having like a, a gold medal. And he talked to his son about this and he used the analogy of how, how he, he had, was a former wrestler in college and he was teaching his son about wrestling. I bring all this up to say because I think it, uh, it is really interesting to note how, how many of these uh, figures uh, I do think in many cases are being exploited for those personality, but I, I think it's also kind of a feedback loop because I think they create and they, they prey on these personality traits in order to then use them as a conduit because he obviously is brilliant. Um, I do suspect that there was some sort of continuation with his father doing, a, you know, they claim it was rocketry and telemetry work, but there, I, I think if we were to dig further because he was a, 
so high in ranking in Edelweiss, you know, that sounds like there was some sort of chemical, potentially even a weaponry uh, type of involvement. And, the, you know, it's questionable whether or not he was involved in biologics or not. I don't know that I have not found any research to substantiate, but it does seem like there was some sort of a, a continuum. And so I don't know if you have, I, I, I went on for a long I time. Com- on- I want to comment on, you know, to tell the audience he came, he'd come back from China with paper bags full of money, as one does. And that a lot of times I do believe that they play, you can be like an unwitting informant or be used by placating and blowing ass, uh, blowing smoke up someone's ass and, and um, um, just placating to their ego and building them up. Of course, if he wasn't motivated by money and admits that he wanted this Nobel Peace Prize, he won the Friendship Award from China. But nonetheless, he downplays his role and acts dumb. And then even in one clip positions that he was taking the money because he has fourth stage lymphoma. And so he wanted to keep an eye out, of course, on his family. And in these exhibits that I purchased and the the last uh, the last time before he got dismissed by the judge, everybody comes to his rescue. There's tons, meaning tons of scientists who actually position the 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 um, China Initiative as a colossal blunder and xenophobia, and that we must welcome uh, global participation in science, not scientism. And so, yeah, they do play to these people's egos, knowing. That they that they can because they are brilliant on one hand, but they might not be know that they're being used to for a much grander scale. I mean, Charles Lieber is a pioneer, and this nanotechnology wouldn't be the same without his contributions. Yeah, I, I think that it, 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 what we talked about earlier, if we can logically assume, we don't know for sure that the NIH likely knew what was going on. And then they decided to pretend they didn't. If we know that Harvard likely knew, and then, you know, assuming we don't know for sure, but then went on to say they didn't know, but they did, that kind of a thing. It speaks to, in my opinion, that there is something larger going on. And in no way am I saying that it's not something we should ask. Is it possible Charles Lieber is just straight up working for the Chinese military government? Of course, certainly possible. And I, I wouldn't dismiss that. But I think it's interesting, you know, that it's, for me, it seems like a person that was involved with stuff that the government was funding. That yeah. plenty, I mean, I made this point at the beginning of when Trump stood up and was like, shut down Wuhan. It's like, well, right when he did that, there were multiple other labs that, as far as I can tell, never even stopped doing the research that was very similar. So I mean, it was Winnipeg, more- I mean, not to mention that we started it here in uh, Carolinas, but, you know, yeah. Right, well, exactly. But the, the point is that it, when it happened, there, it still went forward. Yeah. And so it's more of an illusion, you know, to yeah. make it look like we're doing something. So for me, it, stri- it, it makes sense, gets completely theorizing. That Charles Lieber was involved with something that was integral to whatever this gigantic military agenda was. And maybe he didn't even realize what he was, you know, that oftentimes these scientists are not the nefarious ones involved with this that are building the technological side of it. Right. Someone like Fauci, I wouldn't even argue as a doctor or a scientist, that guy's a, you know, anyway, <laughs> the point, I mean, he is technically, but the point being is that a lot of guys in the lab just kind of tooling away at these things. And again, yeah. I'm not saying we know that so he could be a villain for all we know, but just guessing it seems more likely that he was working on this integral part and they essentially were able to remove him from the conversation and then peg it on China by the narrative that came out and they didn't even charge him for anything. So time served, it's all over. Keep working on the things that we're still going to blame on China, no matter how far this goes. Right. So it kind of feels that way to me, but I, again, I, we would need a lot more to flesh this out entirely, but 
I I think all these people, I, I personally, I would think that Langer seems more the central role in regard yeah. to in, in using what was being built and, in, you know, into whatever agenda we may be seeing. Again, he's the academic co-founder for Moderna, right? right? And so there's all these overlaps there with where the actual lipid nanotechnology patents came from. And they're like suing each other. And I did a whole deep dive I, on that. Mm. It goes back to his previous groups and there's all these overlaps. So there's clearly something going on much larger behind the veneer of what this they're telling us is happening. Well, the thing that comes to my mind, and again, this would be speculation, but it makes me wonder if some of why they're using him, because he does feel like a front man to me, not to say that, you know, his research wasn't integral integral and seminal to uh, the technology that obviously they seem to want to roll out. Um, I, I do think he played a huge part in that, but it, I wonder if he's kind of being positioned as the front man to take the quote unquote fall, although uh-huh. it's more of a slap on the wrist, you know, but it's a public fall, right? Um, if they're doing that to silence him, uh, so because he probably knows much more than what he has shared um, and it, with his ties to Langer. They, you know, he's possibly a conduit to be able to expose a lot of what, you know, again, with Langer, we only know, I'm sure, a fraction of what he's actually uh, developed. And, you know, it reminds me a lot of uh, this is a totally separate conversation, but it's relevant in the same vein is the whole like Malone case, because Malone has all these ties to, you know, uh, there's all this art, these this controversy about whether or not he's you right. know the controlled opposition or whether he was really the whistleblower or and you know regardless of your stance on that it's very evident that he knows way more than what he's divulging and mm. that he has ties to people like Callahan and uh, you know Winber and all of these other uh, very instrumental to what looks like the bigger uh plan uh you know and the bigger technology that's being developed and now we're seeing come to the forefront and i do wonder how much of you know he's been exploited and also been uh in a way controlled to silence because he will never he doesn't talk anything about his connection to like Calabac and Callahan and or and, Novak right Charles yeah. Lieber has um connections to Epstein Epstein who was mm-hmm. funding this right. this uh um, this technology and Novak, and that's not discussed. And now I'm sure that they've silenced him and he just wants to do his work. And can, For the yeah. audience, can you just talk yeah. about Novak for a bit? I, I don't know enough about, about Novak other than he was, maybe Ryan, you can, you can, I'd have to go back to my notes, but I just know that Novak worked with Lieber and, and Novak worked with Epstein. Well, there was there was more than one overlap from Harvard with Epstein and a lot of people in the field that you might discuss in like eugenics and bio research. It's really it's very Whitney's done some deep dives on that as well. It's it's alarming. Yeah, well, he funded he definitely funded Lieber. Uh, in in I one mean, regard or another, yeah, not entirely, yeah. but yeah, there, no, no, that, but it, there was a, a large but, sum of money. I, I think it was something like nine million dollars. I mean, it was not insignificant. Oh no, I not at all. I just mean it wasn't all of his the, work. The number, is what I mean. that, oh, sorry, say that again. Oh, so I'm just agreeing. I said, yes, I was only pointing out it was not all of his body right, right. of work, right? But but definitely. And, and this is, it's amazing that that's not a huge flag for people. It's like, well, clearly there's an overlap with one of the biggest sexual criminals that we all admit was a sexual criminal now. You know, it's like, it's just kind of crazy. But yeah, but to your point again, though, you know, I, I think that it's it's clear that there's all these different overlaps, Langer and Lieber, and, and you know, to what degree each one knows what's going on, or even if, you know, it's yeah. hard to say, but it's yeah. clear that it, we're being lied to about what's happening, because we can we can see this stuff rolled out now. Yeah. This is the very things that we will still be called crazy for pointing out, syringe mm-hmm. injectable mesh, and this this for me comes to the point of, of asking whether or not one of the larger agendas was actually about 
trying to reach the singularity by using the experimental right. aspects of the way our brains actually mesh together, like you would mesh together Wi-Fi routers. You know, I mean, that's just, this yeah. is not something you can, there's research on this kind of stuff, you know? So that's the next step for me is, is whether that's what they're trying to accomplish. You know, it, it's, and it's just theorizing completely. It seems like it. We're now, you know, Libra, um, Neuralink is, is now there's, right. you can go apply um, you will be, of course, they're still positioning it blind, Parkinson's, but there's no shortage of Elon Musk fanboys. They're going to be, I'll be a guinea pig for you. Yeah. You know, they love him. They love Musk. And so here we are. Uh, we're, we're moving forward. They Did they get FDA approval now? For the Neuralink? Yeah. Or did they get? Oh, for Neuralink? I'm not sure, actually. I think they, they, I they've... Actually, I, I don't know. For, I don't want to say. I'm not sure. Clinical trials. I don't know if they got for full use, like public use. Right. No, I don't think for, for, for full use. Um, and, and and to share with the audience, what happened was that the this committee for responsible medicine um, did a FOIA against UC Davis in regards to Neuralink. And what did Neuralink do? They came and they took all the 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 video because there was video of the monkeys. I, I got the the files to show what they were doing with the monkeys, the monkeys that were picking at their scabs, also um, pigs, about 1,500 that were killed in the name of science. And, you know, there's these nonprofit groups that care about animals more. You know, I'm sure you've met people that care about animals more than they care about their fellow human species. Sure. And so when I brought up, well, how about the fact that you know, you're you're giving me these people that are saying that they have stuff in their brains, but you don't seem to care about the humans, but you care about the monkeys. Anyway, came um, Neuralink, went to UC Davis, took all the, the evidence, and now have a private lab that nobody can go and investigate what's really going on. And to scale up, they've even thought, well, we can't have 100 neuroscientists. So we're going to have these robots that are going to be putting robot chips inside of the humans. Um, they've already laid out how to scale up their business. Wait, who who's saying robots are going to be Neuralink? Yeah, it's not. There's machines. Okay. It's not, it's not. It's not practical or realistic to have a hundred different neuroscientists putting the brain chips in the person. And of course you have to replace them. So there's a machine that will, the one neuroscience will oversee and the, the robot will be putting the robot chips in the human. What? They already have, yeah, it's this machine. You could probably look it up. Um, they've already figured out the machinery that will put um, the, the chips. Neuralink has a YouTube page and yeah. you can go in and look um, they're talking about they've done it. They've shown show and tells on on how on a dummy on how they will stitch this. They'll open up part of your brain and put it in, and then you have to come back, you know, and get the, your upgrade. And mm. and uh, yeah, let's say someone like Zach. I won't speak for him, but after the tests have done, God knows how long that's going to take to iron out the kinks. That he'd he'd uh, be down for it. Um, what, I had an interesting thought about that overlap in general. I, I actually don't know enough about what they're what they plan for industrial purposes. We all know that they're automating systems these days where we begin to see that alarming, you know, Skynet you know, <laughs> machines building machines worry that we all seem to have. But, you know, for me, I saw, I've had an interesting thought about this recently when the more we dive into this, the, le the, the level of current research that's being done on this field 
it starts to feel almost like the the aspect of like opening your skull and inserting something is becoming clumsy. Like to the point to where I'm starting to go, wait a minute, is this the cover for what's actually the injectable kind of, because ask yourself why we need that when there are, like we just talked about, as, as again, the one Miriam showed, the syringe injectable mesh that unfolds inside your body. So you don't even need the implantable stuff. So I'm starting to go, okay, well, is this just a way to get us all focused over here, Elon? And the, you know what I mean? Like that's, yeah. I, I just, just thought I had, because you technically don't need that with the current level. I, I actually think I have the study pulled up. Let me grab it real quick. Okay, I'll yeah. you a robot when you're. And while when, you're, well, while you're both pulling that up, I just want to say really quickly in response to that you don't even need the injectable because uh, I, I know when I interviewed uh, Doctor uh, when I interviewed Karen Kingston, I was telling her about you know what happened with my eye and the Shalazian and yeah. how I talked to the doctor and she was very cryptic in how she couched it. But I said to her because I asked her, you know. And this is my one eye. And I was, of course, a little bit uh, protective of it. And I was like, you've done this before, right? Which I didn't want to be condescending, but, you know, it's my eye. So I right. asked her, she said, I've done five of these today. And I said, wow. Yeah. And, you know, my response was just that, and I know everybody's heard the story, so I'll make it really quick, but just essentially that it seemed like if I had asked people three years ago what a Shalazian was, and, you know, most people's response would be, what's that? They'd look at me like deer in the headlights, never heard of it. And now it seems to be very much more common. Anyway, when I was talking to Karen about this, she actually sent me a document because the doctor, because uh, I asked her, why do you think that is? Do you have any thoughts on that? And she said, well, it seems like there's a huge rise in intraocular allergies. Yeah. And she said, mm. I don't know what your political views are, but it does seem like they're putting something in the environment. And right. she said, it seems like the pollen has intensified and it's creating these, uh, you know, allergies that are. The pollen or the spike? The well, pollen or, or the spike? I Sorry, sorry. On the Twitter space, there was yeah. someone who had talked about the spike having a sensitivity to the retina. And then I was speaking to someone who's like, I woke up and my retina was was disconnected. I didn't have, usually Ooh. it's a bonk to the head. And my mind right away is like, well, are, are you around vaccinated spike proteins but it sounds so crazy right it, Sorry, well, I i've heard that off. theory and, th and that that those i don't think are 100 related but they're i mean related because okay. in the eye but I, I have heard that and i was you know looking into that and there does seem to be some evidence to substantiate that but what i found really interesting was in this document it shows that they're using uh particles to in like that are in the environment uh to insert nanotechnology so that it can be aerosolized and one of the uh, things they're using is pollen because pollen, the molecular right. structure of pollen is hollow. So they can insert this nanotechnology inside it. And that, I, I mean, the, the, we can speculate what happens from there. I don't know. But the fact that they're even doing that, and that's very real. I mean, I can send everybody, I can put a link to this document in the show notes. So well, one, of the things, one of the things people shouldn't forget, miss in this is what, what Courtney just described. I mean, what we're discussing is not you, is not, you know, only for injections, right? right. The, the technology at its root on one side of this, specifically, I think the Langer part is just simply talking about the technology on nanoscale that is able to do what she just discussed. You know, have, have something that is a nanoparticle be inserted into something else. Now, right now we're talking about lipid nanoparticles in human cells, but what she's discussing is clearly where this technology seems to be going. And on that note, actually, here's something else, I, what you guys were just discussing. There's a second case of this I just saw, actually. Okay. 
This is the ocular wow. erosion discussion, right? Where this dropped in a lab. Wow! It, they, somebody broke one of these vials in a lab and people immediately had eye problems and all sorts of illness. Like think of how that even makes sense if you're wow. injecting this in children, but yet, you know, it's just, I just recently saw another example of this that just happened. You know, it's, it's crazy. I'll send you guys this if you want to read yeah, more. I did a segment too. on this. What's that? And skin rash, which is that's so what I mean. it, all sorts of stuff happened. Like it's it's crazy. The ocular erosion was just the focal point. Yeah, they saw rashes and illness. I mean, it's like my God, this is safe and effective. Safe <laughs> and effective, yeah. One speaking about the spike protein, right? Because that's I think. I mean, I do think it's all of it. I think lipid nanoparticles yeah. internally are dangerous, but the spike is cytotoxic in and of itself. So sure. I mean, this is might as well be a self-spreading concept, you know. Yeah, but, uh, which Pfizer's own document talked about the self-disseminating vaccines. That right? that was in my shedding article that you know yeah. deemed as just crazy at the time. But it, yeah. I mean, it's right there from the Pfizer documents. So um, here's the uh, the other one. Yeah, I, I guess I one. forgot how to spell syringe for a second. I couldn't find it. <laughs> so here, here it is, right here. Uh, just the point that we were mentioning before. So this is this is the one Miriam shared with me. This is April twenty first, twenty twenty three. Stitching flexible electronics in the brain. Here's Charles Lieber right there. You know, and and it, Chinese it, it, names. Of course. Yeah, that, that that's actually what blew my mind. So and and this is after the supposed ruling, I guess, or was it before? This would have been before. But in any case, the point is that even before this, where he was supposedly like out of the scene, you can prove that he was still doing research with a bunch of people from China. It's like yeah. so again, add that to the bigger point. It doesn't seem likely that he's actually being held accountable. It seems like more of an illusion, but yes. they're discussing in single site implantations by syringe injection. So you have mesh that unfolds in your brain and it can biosurveil. I mean, it's this is real stuff. It's in real time. Let me show you the the robot. Um, exactly. That if you get those electrodes next to a neuron, just allows for lifetime. In order to do that, the devices are there. This, this is the machine. Those tiny little flexible hairs. And that's where the robot comes in. The robot. Computer vision and software, essentially high reliability software, is really important. We've gone from not really being able to track the moving brain is critical for humans because the human brain moves a lot to having this OCT based system that essentially gives us this 21 hertz real time view of a 3D volume of the brain that we're looking at. You're trying to do these like very fine uh, computer vision tasks and movement tasks to grab these threads. It's like an extremely hard engineering problem. I would say the next big goal for the robot would be to make it so that there's minimal neurosurgeon interface. So a neurosurgeon can walk in, See? talk to the patient. Minimal? feel comfortable yeah. about the procedure, walk them through exactly what's going to happen, and then essentially click go. And the robot will be able to figure out exactly what the specific topography of the patient will be, target the areas, and take the surgery from the patient coming in and sitting down to them walking out of the door that same day. If we make this so automated and safe and fast that like anyone can get it, even the idea of really fast keyboard and mouse for myself that I don't need to use my hands for is like super alluring. I'm excited for the robot to help the human patient restore someone's motor function that they lost. That would be super cool. Over the last three years, Neuralink has felt like it has grown from a garage project into a real product. Not only do you get to work on robots, but you also get to interact with other people who don't typically use robots. I mean, nothing about neurosurgery before coming to Neuralink. I can come in as a robotics expert and know that there are neurosurgeons here and neuroscientists here who essentially can act as my knowledge base for neurosurgery and neuroscience. That's what I think it's supposed to be. The Neuralink robot. It, it looks like it. I don't know. All that comes to mind is like lobotomy on steroids, and yeah. 
You know, when you look into and now I've actually talked to uh, some of these MK Ultra, uh, you know, quote unquote patients, and they people think that the the narrative that was, uh, you know, that was spread was essentially that these people were so far gone, either medically or psychologically, that you know the research was justifiable. But the truth of the matter, some of these people came in with things like trigeminal nerve issues or like a lingering headache or things that you know were definitely temp temporal and that are, uh, you know, many cases resolvable. And then they went underwent these experiments that like, you know, had lifelong damaging consequences. So that's just, yeah, it's just horrifying to think about because, and here you have people very willingly, you know, going in and messing with something and it's your brain and you're letting a robot right. do this. And, you know, I, I think about also how we now have these, uh, for surgery, they do have laparoscopic surgery, right? So, but it's still being supervised mm -hmm. by the doctor. You're not having a robot do that. So well, here's, here's the important question with this, right? So right now, obviously, if the if robot hurts somebody, whatever that means, if mistake was made or glitch or whatever, they're going to hold them the account. <laughs> what, what's that? You sue the robot. Right, right. Well, right now, it, because it's only one, like they would be able to sue Tesla, whoever, right? But let's say you, you transition into what they're clearly pointing out, this factory, essentially, where robots are just doing this. Okay, what happens then? You know, and this is the world that a lot of us are pointing out. You know, what happens when AI is making decisions? Who do we, what happens when we disagree? Well, too bad. You know, Eric Schmidt's pretty much already made that point that, well, we're going to have to just let him decide what, you know, that's, that's the alarming direction of all this. The accountability is just completely removed. And I think that's part of the intention, quite frankly. But yeah, I, but again, I wonder whether this is just kind of the sleight of hand, right? right? Like, look over here while these things are rapidly going past this point, you know? Well, I'm not sure. they are trying to put the nanotechnology into water, air, as I talked about this document with the pollen, it was a, some other uh, very, like, you know, common uh, environmental agent as well uh, that was in just these two pages that I read. But I, I scanned right. the rest of the documents really, really long, well over a thousand pages. But, you know, they're they're clearly trying to figure out how to make this uh, pervasive because not everybody will undergo a neural link procedure or, you know, take an experimental injection. So, yeah. And, and to your other point, it's I, I still genuinely ask. I, I find it hard to believe that they're not already in use in the world. Right. Like yeah. self-spreading vaccines or any of the number of these topics. I keep I always point out this symposium on nanotechnology from like 2007, yes. where they literally talk about this, like the mu chip and these things that are like the 10th. Or I always misquote it. It's like a 50 like it's it's like I think it was something like a tenth or twentieth the a size of a piece of paper. Like it's smart dust. It's actual smart yes. dust. And you blow it in the air, it lands on your skin. You don't notice it, and it works off your own body's energy. These was, these were real conversations, and yet that was what 10, 15 years ago. I mean, just think about where this stuff is today. It's it's terrifying to me. So I'd like to, if if you guys can entertain just taking it a step further. I got a vision of a horizon and and I got I heard the word terraform, but then I'm like it's not terraform, it's nanoform. So you're putting the nano in the cloud seeding technology, putting it in the lettuce, you're putting it in the spinach, you're putting it in us, you're putting it in the animals. So what is really going on? Um you know, I I entertain, you know, project looking glass and do they know that there's a kind of cataclysmic event that's on the horizon if you if you believe in multiple resets in our history? Or are they trying and to create one? Because the people talk about like the polar shifts and the pole shifts, yeah. 
Right. So are they trying to create it or do they know something is coming and are trying to merge with machine to um, escape this? Or are we, you know, this sounds crazy, but I don't believe that this is human. And uh, if, if I was told the X-Files series where the extraterrestrials have made a deal with the global leaders and there's a hybrid going on because there seems to be this obsession between nano parasitic parasite heavy metal trifecta. It does. And so what is that about that that there's something parasitic? They love their, you know, now with appeal, they're gonna put the heavy metal coating with the trans fats on on even organic produce. What mostly is the organic going produce. On? Yeah. Mostly. So, yeah. so do you guys um ponder on that and and if now they're like, oh the aliens have come, then they have carte blanche to be out in the open because what is going on doesn't seem human to me. Hmm. Yeah. Uh do you have thoughts on that, Ryan? I, I mean it's it's just super no, 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 it's just super it's you know, it's kind of a hypothetical on a hypothetical. So it's I mean, I, I don't know. You know, it's it certainly it seems something I mean, I it seems that we can at least show a paper trail of how they've been working on stuff like this for a long time, but who knows where it what the impetus was from. I mean, the alien conversation seems to be coming up a lot lately, and it's something that we shouldn't dismiss, but at the same time, we should be very, very skeptical about. I mean, we've all talked about how this could be used against us. But there are people at pretty high level, NASA kind of people, and a long time they've been people in NASA have been speaking up here and there for years, but we just don't talk about it. Suddenly the media goes, oh, okay, now we can point at this. And I think what's interesting is a lot of them have said very, very interesting things that you, the average person would be like, that can't be true. And it's easy to look up things like, you know, there are different types. Whereas, you know, some, there are types of aliens that are, you know, benevolent and there are types that aren't. And then the people at our government levels, which I think we're all beginning to come to terms with are bad sociopathic people are potentially working with the bad ones. I mean, these are the stories that we've heard, you know, and I just don't even know how you begin to verify something like that, but I question everything, consider all <laughs> possibilities. I mean, I definitely, my thing is just that with what we can prove, yeah. it's obvious that we're being lied to about things that are clearly real. And I don't know why that makes sense other than they're hiding something. It's pretty obvious to me. And that right now people are being hurt by whatever is this is, you know, and it's, I think it's a stepping stone. I really do. I think that we're being used for multiple experiments like we always have been. And mm -hmm. this is about an, a eugenics kind of overlap, control structure, biosurveillance, smart city. You know, when you kind of listed a lot of people that haven't gotten into this, they, this sounds like absolute lunacy. But right. all we're really saying is that there is an, a technological discussion that's being had about how to, you can look at it two ways, how to better societies and humanity. Maybe they perceive it that way. And that's at your expense. And they would even tell you that if it really came down to it, you know, take it on the chin for, for climate. You know, that's what we're hearing today. Right. Do it for or, the team. Took it for the team. Right, right. You know, or it's, you know, just people that genuinely know they're doing something nefarious for their own benefit at your expense, which also happens all the time. You know, it's up for each, each person to decide. But I think we can all clearly see that we're being misled. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, I, so I don't know, because I, I could go either way, really. I, I don't claim to know anything about aliens, whether they exist, whether they're uh, colluding with the dark forces. I, I don't know. But what I do know <laughs> is, <laughs> I mean, either is possible. I, I really don't know. Um, but what I do know is that it, they, they've talked, you know, repeatedly about needing to rally against a common enemy, enemy. And it would make sense that they would use, that we've seen throughout history, they use the fear tactic. Um, so I think this uh, t discussion of the aliens is uh, certainly 
you know, what it could be multi-layered. I mean, that's entirely possible. Uh, But I think that it's definitely being utilized for the purposes of fear. This is an unknown entity. And of course, if we were presented with the information that this is a dark, uh, you know, they're dark forces and they're entities that do not like uh, humans or earth that they either want to inhabit and take over or they want to, you know, eviscerate us or whatever, um, or they want to somehow, you know, enslave us for their own purposes. If they give, if they sell us this narrative, then that's going to create a lot of fear. And it would make sense also then uh, that we, it's a very plausible narrative that we could then, you know, also give some grace to these elites. Well, you know, they were just, uh, they were lured in and, uh, you know, they, they, they were terrified. And so they, you know, colluded with these dark forces. So I, I don't know. I, I do see the very, the possibility of this story being used, the veracity of it. I, I obviously can't speak to, um, you know, I mean, there's certainly to me that it seems very evident that there is a spiritual battle at play that, that I, I think is really undeniable, regardless of your worldview. Um, I think it's pretty hard to deny that. And I think that, you know, the crux of it really is the people who uh, honor free will and honor that, you know, humans are endowed with free will. That, you know, Ryan, as you said, we were, we have freedom to choose. Even if these things have horrible, uh, devastating consequences, we should be free to decide and to choose. And then there are those who believe that, you know, they, they essentially want to be gods. They want to, uh, you know, live forever and they want to enslave the rest of us. They want to eviscerate the free will of humanity because they think they should be the ones who have the uh, controlling choices. And uh, so I feel like that those are kind of the battle. And, you know, you can frame that into the biblical worldview. You can frame, you know, regardless of how you look at it, because, you know, it's not for me to tell people what what worldview and what lens to see things through. Uh, but yeah. I think that battle is really uh, very evident. And this this technology enables those who want to eviscerate the free will of humanity to be able to play God, right? This is, we right. keep hearing, you've, right. all, you've all know Harari keeps saying, this is the year that surveillance goes under the skin. Um, he keeps saying that free will is a thing of the path, that, you know, even though we're he claims we have no... What? We're useless eaters. We're useless eaters. He keeps claiming we have no consciousness. However, our consciousness is going to be uploaded to this high Borg mind, even though we don't own, we have no consciousness, but somehow they're going to use consciousness that we don't have and upload it to this high Borg mind that they're going to be in charge of, they're going to control. And he also talks about how they're going to supersede the biblical God because biblical God can only create organic life and they will create inorganic life. And of course, that makes them all the more powerful. So... And the singularity is near. So, but that's why I think this technology is so relevant because it is the, it's what enables that to be, that to come to fruition. If they are able to put it in in, on nanoscale, whether it be to inject. And I, the reality is it looks like from all of the things that, you know, you pointed out, all the evidence seems to point that they're trying to hit it from every angle. So, you know, it's very possible that it's in the injection. It's very possible it's in the water or the environment, the cloud, it could be in the cloud seeding. Um, we've seen that the the metals in the cloud seeding. So I, I don't think it's a very far cry to think that they're then adding graphene oxide to that. Um, you know, I haven't seen that, that I would need to do some research on. There is nano, nano cloud They do seed. use it's nano, on okay. uh, graphene oxide or just what what is, what is the nano? The, I I don't know about the geo um, yeah. because I think they hold that close to their. Although you know, there's even a video on YouTube of like what would happen if you injected geo, and uh, they show the needle. I don't know if you've seen it, and graphene oxide, graphene as a 
industry has skyrocketed. Oh, yeah, they're putting it even into organic cotton clothing. Yeah, yeah, it, it's it's been a, it's been a substance that's been focused on research and use for a long time, and it's it's not it's that's what's crazy that people regard it as a conspiracy theorist and like a general idea. But I would still I would still reiterate from my perspective that I don't think personally I don't think I can say I I feel confident that it is something I've proven that's in these things. I'm certainly right. open to that. I think it's there's conversations to be had. But what I always come back to is that we don't need. It, we should investigate this because it's something that concerns me both because of how it has been theoretically used on paper and what that you know overlaps with what we see happening it's right. very likely but we don't even need that in the conversation to prove that these things are killing people you know the lipid nanoparticles the spike right. protein you know the, the the mrna itself there's all these overlaps to how this is working the kind of terrifyingly synergistic efforts of all those together you know it's clearly enough you know and so i think it's important to focus on the the you know right now in a court of law that's provable you know i yeah. think that's really important I, I would agree. I mean, we, we know that all of these things are killing people. We're seeing that the died suddenly, to use that phrase, or, you know, far too often. But I think that it's also, because you, you use the term, Mary Meth, the useless leaders, right? And we keep hearing that. But I think that while it's, they, they've clearly stated in their own words, they want to depopulate. And it does seem like these things are uh, aiding and abetting that agenda. I think they want to control the rest. And that's where I feel like it has a dual mechanism. And of course, the, the control grid aspect is more speculative but the the technology uh capacity is not speculative so i don't know how much of uh i don't think i have them in front of me but of the patents maybe we could do you have oh, any yeah. that we could look at because those and i get this argument all the time uh that you know patents are just patents and that doesn't mean that they've been implemented or utilized but anybody who knows anything about patents they are not cheap to get they are really extensive to do and they usually take years and years so and they're usually they're, not theoretical either no right right, right. yeah <laughs> they're, they're provable technology that's that's right. uh, literally the definition of a patent so right. um yeah so i think for people to dismiss them that doesn't always mean they've been implemented but uh, you know there's always the case the case where they're not but that doesn't mean they should be dismissed either so i, I think agree. that maybe if we can look at some of those just to, that might lend some credibility as well i have some um before we, we move on to, yeah. to the patents i want to say uh, i want to ask if either of you have seen final days the movie yeah, it's uh, it's uh, Karen Kingston is in it, and it's all. Oh about yeah, yes, yes. I thought I thought it was very sure. well done. It, it, yeah, and and uh, when I looked um, to see oh, who are these writers? Oh, you write for you write horror for Hollywood. That's interesting. Hmm. How did Stu Peters find these writers that write for Hollywood horror? I mean, I'm not saying anything because it is a horror, but it was very well made and. Uh, you know, it, it talks about, you know, it's Christian, right? But I, I want to say that I eat meat. Am I evil? So if people eat us, if we're being harvested for our energy, for our louche, whatever, and, and these are non-human beings, um, is it evil or are they just, we're fodder, we're, we're food for them in this thought of like, we have been taken over because I personally do believe I can't prove it, but I don't think this is human. And so it makes sense to me that there's a harvest going on and um, we are being harvested and it's about the slow kill. Like my, my old roommate would uh, 
would joke that they're kind of seasoning us. They like these heavy metals because it tastes good to them. And that's why they 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 uh, are obsessed with... And it's, isn't it interesting that the parasites eat heavy metals? Um, yeah, they do. Again, this, there's this trifecta relationship. So anyway, I just wanted yeah. to... Add, I, I um, think it's a, a very... I think it's a... I think it's a very interesting conversation. I'm not like, obviously, it's not something I can prove, um, but I'm not like dismissive of it either. I think regardless of like the, how we define the term, I think it's pretty evident that they are parasites. <laughs> you know, they're they're looking to feed off of us in, you know, many ways. So, um, but whether that's coming from an outside entity or not, I don't know. I'm trying to find some. I mean, some would argue it's a spiritual you know, like they're like they're demonically possessed or um, I know the alien conversation has been thrown around. I have a hard, you know, I know some people have thrown around the lizard. Con- I have a harder time like wrapping my head around that. But I definitely agree with you. It's not human behavior. It's definitely to want to kill other humans is not a, you know, innately kind of a human 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 trait. Um, and to want to control and possess is a is a very dark uh, it doesn't feel human. So I, I what can... we're dealing with is post-human in general, right? So you could overlap right. it that way too. I and mean, we're talking transhumanist kind yeah. of direction, you know, but oh, that's I, still, I, st- right, I still argue that investigate everything, no matter what. But I think it's really important that we just stick to what we can prove when, when right. we're presenting this, you know, just because I think it's important to reach the average person, you know, with what, what it's like court of law kind of stuff, you know, these yeah. people are criminals right now, but you know, none of this stuff should be off the table. Right. I mean, that's literally the question. Everything means everything. Right. It's, I, there's so many things throughout history that we've stumbled into that are just like ridiculous until we realize they're not, you know, so it's just, we shouldn't dismiss anything. I totally agree. Um, and that's why I'm, I'm willing to have that conversation. I'm willing to entertain it and speculate and theorize uh, about it. But I do think that for so many people, if we can get some of this really tangible information out to them uh, mm. and to understand why it's relevant and then maybe we can save some lives. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. I didn't mean to make it like. No, no, no. I, 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 I. I'm definitely open to entertaining that. I want to address this just because I know we're get, we're a little yes. bit pressed for time, but I'm open to having another conversation where we can just uh, play around and theorize on it because I, I think it's a uh, it's it's fascinating. So, do you want to? These are not not necessarily with Libra, but okay. it shows. You know, can you see my screen? Yes. So this is um, screenshots with nanobots and red blood cells inside the vessel. The real time 3D simulation provides visualization. So, oops, the influenza infection with cell hostage begins to spread. Anyway, this is showing how nanobots uh, flow with the bloodstream sensing for protein overexpression. Um, This is another one, design of wireless nanosensor networks for intrabody application. So again, using these nanoscale devices. Oh, you you can see right there, they're referencing the Internet of Nano things. That's the I-O-N-T. Yeah, it's crazy. That's crazy. And, and, and look at the date, guys. Look at the date. Yeah, 2015. 2015. Think about that. We don't even know about these terms. In 2015, we didn't even understand what the Internet of Bodies was. And no. yet they're already two, three steps ahead of us. That's what we keep talking about. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Let's see what else I have. And the reality is, if they're if they're publishing these journals, when was, and these patents, when was the research, when did it commence? Right. Way exactly. before that. Right. Um, you know, the, this uh, in this image, this hexagon that the geo does take on a shape of yes. a hexagon latest. 
So even though they're not outright saying here that they're using GO, um, they're clearly showing, you know, inserted machinery and then you have the smartphone or whatever the gateway here the computer so there's an interface going on right um let's see what else it has. this is the range of transmission methods uh, again this is these are hexagons uh, so what is it Sorry, I think this is just showing that the 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 next warfare will be increasingly robotic. Mm -hmm. I think Jason Burmis talks about that. Somebody talked about um, how there will be reality wars, and I thought it was such a fascinating concept because because of the advent and uh, you know the increasing pervasiveness of AI, that people will be who people will be much more immersed in the metaverse quote unquote, you know, whether literally or proverbially, uh, some some kind of variance of that, that people will actually be having debates about what is real. Because yeah. like, did they experience it in the metaverse or did it really happen? Yeah, the, it's hard not to see the metaverse being such a clear central part of this. Going back long before I, we even think, I think that we even realized what Facebook was. You know, you can see that there's been yeah. more behind this from day one. And now, and of course, it, it meta the metaverse has pretty much been a spectacular failure so far. And yeah. I, it, if it wasn't for the corporate interests that have dragged the dead body of this concept into the World Economic Forum, and like they're using this and forcing people to use it to interact in these meetings. And it's clear that this is a bigger part of this to, for me. I think, I think you're right. What you described there is going to be a very alarming thing to see very soon, I think, about people debate. Think about the trans conversation, the same kind of thing, yeah. you know, where you're suddenly in this moment where they debate that whether, you know, you, I don't know, maybe, maybe that you're crimi acting criminally because of something you commented online and that overlap, you know, we see that overlap right now, you know, that's, it's very concerning. And I, I very much think the whole trans conversation is to uh, pave the way for transhumanism. Yeah, absolutely. I absolutely. Um, I know we are running up against the clock, so I, I want to be respectful of, uh, of time. But if you, either of you have any closing things you want to uh, wrap up with, let's do that before I give you an opportunity to uh, plug your stuff and everybody can find you. I, I would just simply say that, you know, I think it's important to, to see the bigger picture of all of this and not even with this stuff, not get pulled into the two party paradigm perceptions of all of this. You know, this really does go back even even before the creation of the United States. Right. Mm -hmm. We're really talking about this kind of Malthusian concept and we're, yeah. you know, we've, we've talked about this a lot, you know, the, the different sides of this, which are really stemming both back to the Malthusian kind of Luther, Luciferian concept where it's really about driving us into like decadence almost, or even worse than that, like acting negatively for the benefit of society is this weird perverse mm -hmm. way that yeah. they perceive things. And Virtue this is, this, sin. it's, it's, it's something just, if people are interested, look up Mal, Mal, Malthusian concepts and you'll understand mm -hmm. what we're getting into here and the Hayek and, and, uh, and, um, What's the, I'm blanking on the uh, Hayek and Keynes, who were Keynes, both Keen, predicated Keynesian, yeah, on Mandeville, you. and Mandeville was a Luciferian openly. Right. Yeah. Well, but both both concepts stem back to the same ideology, yeah, because they and were it's both very influenced clear. by Mandeville. Yeah. Right. But I mean, like intentionally so. Like it's yeah. not like they perceive themselves as being. Some, it's it's all oh, it's, yeah. it's the two party paradigm as far back as you want to look. And yeah. I think all of this, it, even then, has a direct. It's part of the technocratical perception that now they've caught up. To what they visioned, right? We're watching the technology catch up with what they had been projecting, and sure. now these things are coming into full swing. And I genuinely think we're watching this kind of revitalization of feudalism, where these people are going, "Okay, we're going to step back into the light 
We've always been kind of, you know, puppeteering things. And I think this, it, it's, and that may sound crazy to some people, but we, you can look and see these going back long before the United States. And I genuinely think this is being executed now. So as much as I harp on the two party paradigm, it goes much bigger than just our presidential elections. We need to see that we're being played against each other. And this is one of those parts. So thanks for having us on. I enjoyed this today. Yeah. Thank you. I, I totally agree with that. What, what are your thoughts, Miriam? I feel that it's very important to have these sorts of conversations where we're looking at tangible patents, um, tangible scientists who are bringing forth this transhumanist agenda and not to forget Tavistock and the long directional game that, that they know um, that this is, they're slowly pushing the, the goalposts. There's an Overton window and, it's slow but sure, and it is important to, to look at a macro and micro perspective of what is the bigger agenda. Because, you know, if, if as Ryan pointed out, since 2015, this is this is long. Who knows what's what's really um, being uh, tested on us? So yeah. I, yeah. it's important to have these conversations. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, I, I absolutely agree. I think this is very much, I, I think that goes back to the spiritual battle, right? So it is, it, this is a Malthusian view. Um, they, the useless leaders, and then they want to control the rest. So I, and it, it is this, uh, I, I do think like when you go back in history, you look at it, it's whether you call it Malthusian or Luciferian or Hermeticist or the Gnostic, they all, you know, there's nuanced differences between each school of thought, but it's essentially, you know, this uh, this notion that there are the, the people who think that they're going to be the little gods who then reign on earth forever, right? Because they can't have the eternal experience. And uh, so they're going to try and create it by uh, creating a transhuman leading to a post-human world. And, uh, you know, this technology is very much uh, relevant to that. Uh, but, you know, as Ryan said, uh, illustrated i think this it goes i think to the beginning of time honestly i don't think this is a uh i don't think this is a new battle i think the technology just makes it that much more applicable and uh, you know i talk often talk about how they if you read the documents of the elites they talk about how they were going to pit these different uh views and uh you know paradigms up against each other Essentially, to create a Hegelian dialectic, which you know leads to negation, and they would swoop in with their "quote unquote" solution, which is the technocracy, um, and that is going to be, you know, as Kurzweil says, the, the singularity is near. So, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I thank you so much for both being here. We'll we'll definitely uh, continue the conversations and uh, tell everybody where they can find all the great work you're both doing. So, let's start with you, Ryan. TheLastAmericanVagabond.com is the best place to check it out, guys. All the links, everything there. So thanks for having us on. I, I did. I think it's important to continue to theorize about where this stuff goes because it's it's clear that something's wrong. I think we all kind of feel that today. And that in and of itself is breaking the two-party illusion. And I think that's important. Yeah. yeah. And if we can't uh, theorize, then we don't have a hypothesis to test, right? We can't. We right. have nothing to explore. That was actually the scientific method. Scientific method was not that things were proven and then we're just supposed to trust it forever. It's we put forth a hypothesis. But if you don't have a hypothesis, then you don't have anything to test and to explore and nothing can be verified. So, yeah, that's where we start. And yeah, absolutely bursting the two-party illusion. That's just the Hegelian dialectic for the them to divide and conquer us. So yeah, we don't want that. <laughs> and mm -hmm. and where where can we find you, Miriam? People can buzz on over to MiriamHenane.com and I have a show on Fridays called Truth Lives Here on Rumble 
and Rockfin. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you both. And I gave, uh, sorry, I gave links to a lot of the Charles Lieber articles that I've written over the years. Yes, I, I will put that into the show notes also. Definitely. Thank you both. Thank you. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.